Welcome to the West Virginia Writers Podcast, a service of West Virginia Writers Incorporated, the Mountain State's largest all-volunteer nonprofit organization dedicated to writers. Established and incorporated in 1977, West Virginia Writers continues to support writers and writing statewide through program sponsorship, an annual writing contest, and an annual summer writers conference. This podcast is dedicated to promoting the organization, its members, and events, as well as writers throughout Appalachia and beyond. And now, here is your host, Eric Fritzhughes. Thank you, Gertrude and Hola listeners. Welcome to Episode 64 of the West Virginia Writers Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Fritzhughes. Well, as those of you who have pre-registered for the West Virginia Writers 2012 Summer Conference are fully aware... It is just days away from when this podcast is posted. For those of you who did not pre-register, wow, you must have some kind of view up there on top of that fence. But look what we have over here on our side. We've got three days of great writing workshops taught by folks like Lee Maynard, Pam Hansen, Jeff Fuller, Laura Tracy Bentley, Michael Nost, Belinda Anderson, Sandy Tritt, and the poet laureate of our very state, Mark Harshman, among many others. It's being held June 8th, 9th, and 10th at Scenic Cedar Lakes Conference Center in Ripley. And you don't even have to pre-register. You can just turn up on the day of. However, that said, I do feel it only fair to remind you that we do recommend you fill out a form for meals and lodging for Cedar Lakes Conference Center itself in case you'd like to eat food there or stay there. You can check that out at our website, podcast.wvwriters.org. While you're there, check out the full schedule that we've posted for the conference, as well as descriptions for all the workshops, including two by my guest today. Suhaila Elatar is an actress and writer based in Atlanta, Georgia. She dabbled in radio for a bit as a morning news personality and DJ, but eventually returned to the stage as an actress and playwright. She's worked with local Atlanta companies such as Theatre du Rev, Synchronicity Theatre, the Alliance Theatre Company, Horizon Theatre Company, and has done so as dramaturge, actress, and playwright on several projects. I've actually known Suhaila since high school, and she and I have also worked together at in college radio, where she served as producer of a comic book radio show that I co-created called Four Color Theater. We've also acted in a number of plays together in college, including Neil Simon's Chapter 2, William Inge's The Disposal, and a play called Triumph of the West. Oh my God, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I got to help recruit Zuhaila to come to West Virginia Writers Summer Conference this year to lead some workshops on the craft of playwriting and uh, creativity for a variety of age groups. Zuhaila Elatar is currently driving in Atlanta traffic. <laughs> I am, but it's a hands-free set. It's a hands-free set. I'm being completely safe. I promise. She says that she gets the rear end. Zuhaila, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you, Eric? It's good to talk to you. Very good to talk to you. We hardly ever get to see each other anymore, uh, let alone talk. Hardly. We've, we've not, we haven't seen each other in years. I think, I think since before my wife and I got married, we used to actually, my wife lived in North Carolina and I lived in Mississippi and we would meet in Atlanta and hang out with Suhaila. <laughs> That's true. We also got pizza at Fellini's. Fellini's, oh my goodness. Yes, that is correct. So, um, so thank you so much uh, for inviting me onto the podcast. So, Suhaila, you are you are coming to the West Virginia Writers Summer Conference for the very first time. Uh, have you ever actually actually been to West Virginia before? 
No, I've never been to West Virginia. That's part of the reason that I accepted this invitation is that I thought, uh, I can't imagine any other reason that I would have to go to West Virginia, which is probably a harsh comment, but I just, I've never, I've, I can't think of any reason. Like, I, I thought, uh, what, I, I don't know of any vacation spots. I don't know anybody that lives in West Virginia. <laughs> Besides me. You don't live in West Virginia anymore, right? You live in North Carolina. No, no, we're in West Virginia. Oh, well, then I do have a reason to go. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> Shows how often we keep up with one another. <laughs> I know. I thought you were still in North Carolina. So, okay. No, we've been here for nigh on a decade. So, it, it's, um, wow. we, we love it. It's West Virginia is one of the best kept secrets as far as the states go. Um, people will get a, a look at a little bit of it in the Hatfields and McCoys miniseries that's currently on TV starring the blandest Devil Ants Hatfield we've ever seen thanks to Mr. Kevin Costner but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know what here's the thing I- I've been told by everybody here that I will get quite an eyeful of beauty when I get there so I look forward to that yes you will and the the route you're taking is going to be very very pretty uh, tell us a little bit about your workshops that you're doing at the summer conference I'm quite often asked as a playwright, you know, what are my, what are the, the tools that I use to get myself ready to do things, and and can I come in and teach a workshop of how to write, quote unquote? And I and I can't, I can't do that. I don't know that I necessarily believe that I should have the right way I know how to write. So the two workshops I'm I'm sharing are are workshops and tools that I've used that have helped me in my career as writing. Um, one of them was provided by. Uh, Celeste Miller, who is a, um, I think I can say that she's a movement storyteller. Anybody can do it. And basically, I feel like it's a workshop that teaches anyone how to tell a story and how to use their body to tell the story. And if you think, oh, I'm not a performer, this turns you into a performer. And if you think, oh, no, I don't know how to tell a story, this shows you how to tell a story. And it's a completely different experience than telling the story. And it's also a little bit like rubbing your belly and patting yourself on the head at the same time. So I always think it's a very good exercise to get people out of their skin. The second workshop I'm teaching is, is called the Critical Response Method. Now, this is specifically for writers, and it's, it's, it's also a great exercise to use for the larger groups that have collaborative projects where there are so many people working on a project and so many people coming in, or even when a playwright gets the great opportunity to workshop his or her script using the critical response method teaches the audience that they have to listen to the script critically and also to give feedback critically so that you're not sitting through somebody going, I didn't like that, or if I had written this script, I would have done. It forces the audience to learn how to speak about it and it protects the writer and it also forces the writer to know exactly what he or she is looking for when they are seeking feedback, which is quite often very important. So it's a good idea for people who have scripts, plays that they have written to bring them to this workshop. Absolutely. I mean, it's actually essential. I, I put that down as one of the requirements. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be a full script. It could be a scene as long as the uh, writer or creator lets us know what they think. Now, Understand, this is not just limited to writers. If we had dancers, uh, dance performers, or or anything, anything that's being created, anything that's in development, the critical response method is perfect for helping people 
continue on with their creation. So really, this could apply to short stories, novels, yes. any form of creativity that could receive feedback. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It, I mean, it's got four steps to it. It's very simple and it's very informative and it's very safe as feedback. It helps you really grow as an artist and it helps your project grow. And I noticed that the Celeste Miller Method workshop that you're doing it says, come prepared to move and to be honest. I take it that, if not dance, at least movement is going to be involved. Absolutely. And the reason I say come prepared to be honest is because you can, you can only tell your personal story. You can only tell your personal experience through... Uh, I, I'd say the greatest example that I constantly use is the example of 9-11 and... And Celeste Miller, when I took the workshop with her, she used that as the experience for us. So that you tell the story of 9-11, not the way that we're all accustomed to telling it, not the, oh, I was, you know, I was at work when I saw it on the television or anything like that. It becomes, she asks you to take a look at what you remember factually, anything like what color was the sky, what kind of weather was it, what are the exact um, things that you have to do that day. Well, it's the alarm clock. Were you hitting it on or off? And and uh, you have to be honest with yourself. When I did this workshop in Alaska, I actually ended up with an individual who knew the bartender who served the Exxon Valdez captain right before he walked out to get onto that infamous um, ship before it um, dumped everything. And oh wow. Right. So she she had this great story that she told, but without giving anything away, not giving any identity. I didn't know where we were going to go with it. And she, you know, she was a woman who was an older woman, but her movements were so graceful. And the story that she told was so, it was, it's, it's usually very short and very intimate. You're, you're just immediately struck by a story. You're captured immediately and then released immediately. And it's a beautiful thing. Now, you mentioned Alaska, which brings me to a bit of evil that I was going to rain down on you a few years back. Uh, and you, you will probably remember this. Uh, in 2007, in fact, in May of 2007, my wife and I went to Alaska, and she was actually up there a week ahead of me for a medical conference. And then I came up to join her for the following two weeks to drive around in a Winnebago. That's right. And... She was up in an anchorage for the first week and sent me a a telephone picture of a little theater in downtown Anchorage. There are no theater. Yes. That had a marquee in front of it that had your name and your play, The Perfect Prayer, there on the marquee. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that's awesome. We're going to have to go see that. And. She said, but she's going to be here. Sue going to be here for a question and answer the week after you get here. And I was like, that is awesome. I'm going to go there. I'm not going to tell her that I'm even in the state. I'm going to sneak in and hide and take my seat at the last second so she can't see me. And then when it comes time for the question and answer session, she's going to be up there and I'm going to get up and say something dumb. <laughs> and I'm going to go, who are you and why did you come? Oh, Eric, it's you. <laughs> and it, I didn't even know what exactly I was going to do, but I figured between then and then I would be able to come up with something suitable. And then my wife reminded me, we're not even going to be anywhere near Anchorage on that date. And I was like, oh, but no, but, but Fairbanks isn't that far from Anchorage. 
Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, everything is far away from me. Especially when you're driving a Winnebago at $4 a gallon. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, right. And that was, that was that, yeah, that was right. That was that horrible year at the, at the uh, well, it was also Alaska gas price. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> you had all of that going. That's very true. The most I've ever paid for gas was in, ironically, Valdez, where the oil is at. <laughs> very true. I, I know. Don't get me started. <laughs> I will say it was uh, it was really interesting because I went back up there in the um, in the fall or the summer of 2008, mm-hmm. and I uh, I remember seeing the gas prices. But that was right when we had the surge of gas prices in the lower 48, as they like to call it. And I um, I remember when I came back, I didn't notice a difference <laughs> because it was, it was the same gas price. I was like, oh, this is not, yeah. It doesn't matter at all. So well, I, since I couldn't be there to rain evil down upon you, I just called you up the moment we figured out we couldn't be there and told you what evil I had planned. I to- you know what? I totally forgot about that, too. I'm so glad that you reminded me. And that, that, theater, is a, that theater is a great little theater. It's a semi-professional theater called Tyranus Theater, and uh, Sandy is the person who um, founded it with her husband who has since passed away. Um, but it's a wonderful theater community, and wonderful artists are there. I, I really I love Anchorage a lot. And, I, yeah, like I said, I talked to Celeste Miller, workshop there. And it's interesting because Celeste Miller is a friend of mine. And so one of the main things I will tell you about this is that she created a workbook to help people or to aid and guide people in their discovery of themselves as storytellers and as movement makers and such. And so I'll, I'll be providing that information there for anyone who's interested in continuing their education with the Celeste Miller method, as I like to call it. Excellent. Excellent. We always like handouts. Yes, absolutely. Well, I guess my my major plan then would be to get a play of mine performed at that theater. Then I would have an excuse to go up. <laughs> so that's your best bet. I'll have to look and see if they're running any short play festivals in the near future. When are you going to write a full length play, huh, Eric? <laughs> I, I've got the beginnings of one that I've I've written a short play, but it's it's got some legs behind it and enough backstory to it that it could be developed further. So it's all about moonshine. Yeah. The players or the writing processes? <laughs> the, the, well, <laughs> uh, no, actually, just the play. That's, oh, okay. I'll accept that. <laughs> Close enough. Well, that's great that you're going to do. I think that that's a great story. I, um, I, I would love to hear more about Moonshine, period. <laughs> well, I'm in the right state for it. Yes, you are. This being a writer's conference and all, um, what are you currently working on writing-wise? Well, I've got a commission for Horizon Theater uh, here in Atlanta, which is the theater that um, originally it well premiered my first script, The Perfect Prayer, of which we've spoken. Mm-hmm. And um, the commission that they've requested is inspired by the true story of Clarkston, Georgia, which has the largest refugee population in the United States, and their uh, sort of their journey of how they have been dealing with that because the, the, the town itself is only 1.7 square miles and they, it's a, it's a various amount of refugees from all over, states all over the globe. What's the draw there? The draw is, well, I mean, we have a lot of refugee services that work here and uh, it's not necessarily that there's a draw, but that it's a, it's a great community in which to develop, to allow someone to start their life over because number one, it's huh. the last stop on the MARTA station the MARTA Rail, uh, which is the public transportation, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of development. In the 80s, there was a lot of uh, development that happened with apartment buildings, and, and so there's a lot of space for people to live, 
And so that's why there's the draw. But the recent, the recent drama that brought it all to light was, uh, was due to a soccer team called the Fugees, which is a refugee children's soccer team run by Luma Mufla. And there was a book written about it. And so um, we're kind of following up on that, but not necessarily doing that story. And when, it, when is that looking to premiere? Well, I was a little bit delayed. little private story is that my father had gotten very sick and had passed away. And the great thing about this artistic organization about Horizon Theater was that they understood. Um, and they gave me that time to take care of all of the family affairs, which was about a six-month delay. And then... Um, so now we're jumping back in this summer, and so we'll see where we'll go from here. But hopefully it has to be done within the year, and then, and then we'll move on from there. And then, of course, I constantly work on little scripts here and there. I, um, I, I'm, I'm hoping to become the John Hughes of school theater. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of uh, love all of the John Hughes films, and I want to be able to write scripts for high school theaters to perform so that they can take them to competition so that they can encourage more theater departments to develop and and give kids something that they can actually relate to so they're not doing the same stuff over and over and over again, but give them a little bit of that perspective. Well, just just be sure you stick to being the John Hughes of high school theater and not the Jerome McDonough. <laughs> okay, I wasn't going to say anything. I didn't want to say his name, but yes, no. I, I have completely left the Jerome McDonough idea, and that is what I want to do is make sure that Jerome McDonough never exists again with any of his plays. <laughs> For our listeners who do not know who Jerome McDonough is, he wrote a series of plays, uh, Juvie, Addict, and, you know, well-intentioned plays, and not bad plays, but very heavy-handed. Their message, they're very heavy-handed in their message, very, um, it's always uh, Greek chorus, not even Greek chorus, but it's written so evenly so that no one has a big role and no one has too small of a role and everyone gets a good role. And, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I, I've only managed to get through high school with doing one of those and um, got to attack the audience with our scripts, so that was fun. Yeah. Well, Suhaila, we look forward to your workshops at the conference and to seeing you with our own eyes again. I know. I look forward to seeing you too, Juice, and, uh, and, um, and I can't wait to be there. I can't wait to see West Virginia for the first time. Suhaila Elatar can be found online at suhaila.com. That's S-U-E-H-Y-L-A.com. There you can find her full resume, including the plays that she has written or acted in, as well as her film and TV work. Did you know that she got to appear as a court reporter in the pilot episode for Franklin and Bash? Well, she did. And you know what that means? It means she probably knows exactly how dreamy Zack from Saved by the Bell really is in real life. I mean if you care about that sort of thing. She also invites people to check out some of her work on the website writeclubatlanta.com. It's a bare-knuckles literature site in which live events are held around the Atlanta area in which two opposing writers are given two opposing ideas and seven minutes apiece to develop them into something on the spot. Then the audience gets to pick the winner. So far, Suhaila remains undefeated. It's also a great site for getting writing prompts, reading good work, and they also have a podcast. Check it out at writeclubatlanta.com, as linked at our website, podcast.wvwriters.org. Be sure to check out some of the videos we've posted of the conference last year that'll give you an idea of what to expect at the summer conference, as well as whetting your appetite for it. 
We've got Lee Maynard's full reading that he did with Pops Walker. We have a song by Doug and Talisha Williams, and much more. Our opening voiceover was provided by Marcus Vowell. Our show's theme music is used with permission by its composer, Pops Walker, who will be appearing along with the angel-voiced Kippen Martin at this year's Saturday Night Conference Entertainment. This podcast was produced by Mr. Herman's Production Company Limited and was recorded atop a hill in Greenbrier County.